Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Ghost of Harrenhal. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joning us for episode 161 of our Chapter by Chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today, we'll be discussing Chapter 17 of A Storm of Swords. That's Aria 3. And as we always do, we're going to chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully, we're going to provide you some entertainment along the way. We'll summarize what happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the television show, indulge in a little pedantry, and cover some relevant news and listener correspondence. Be sure to check out the show notes. They'll provide some additional information about the characters and geography of this chapter. How are you, McKelly? I'm doing fine. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, uh, no complaints. I, I have a funny story for you. Oh, well, that's exactly what everyone is looking for. Not, <laughs> not just a funny story, but a funny story from you. <laughs> uh, well, yours, yours are funny. They crack me up, your stories. Um, so um, Elizabeth, who we all know is my niece, who yes. came to visit for the summer, right? Um, she's she's seventeen. She's just her birthday. She's seventeen years of age, and she's got a bad back, which seems very young to have a bad back. But she she went to see a chiropractor, and the chiropractor. I mean, I, I, I've been to see a chiropractor a couple of times. I know the basic drill. They lay you down, and then they crack, snapple, and pop. <laughs> then they do something, and it makes a Cracking sound, and then you feel better. That's the basic gist, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So yep. the chiropractor crunched her back, and she said it made a loud sound. And the chiropractor went, oh, Jesus! <laughs> That's not what you want to hear. <laughs> that's, the, that's the last thing you want any medical professional to say. <laughs> This story cracked me up. I was like, they're not supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that sound before. I had a, a spot on the top of my head. It, it did turn out to be um, skin cancer. But my, my, well, my doctor, my doctor was in a, is a doctor in a larger practice. You know, she, right. she was one of like the, at the time, this was like 15 years ago, one of the younger doctors in the practice. She was looking at it and she's like, I'll be right back. <laughs> and I was like, why is that? She's like, I'm just going to go get the, the head main doctor. And I was like, oh, that doesn't bode well. Uh, and the thicker gloves. Yeah. Uh, so. I, I, I remember when that happened, actually, because I remember we were playing basketball all the time and you, you, you took to wearing a do-rag. I, I did. I had, I had this little beanie that I wore. Right. It was a, um, it was like a crocheted beanie. It was the only thing I could, because here's the problem. When you're playing basketball, if you're wearing a typical baseball hat with the brim out front, uh-huh, uh-huh. it can get in the way of your shot. I'm using hand motions here, which is really great. Yeah, for this but, I, but I think people can imagine yes. this. Yes. On the way up, shot, yes. on the way up to your release, the, yes. your hand, can hit your hat brim and throw your shot off. Okay, yes. so you think, well, I'll turn around backward. Turn around backward, and you don't have full range of motion to your head because the brim can hit the back of your neck, unless you keep it, like, straight out the back, which is right. very awkward to do. 
So that's why I, I went looking for something that would just like fit on my head, but not throw off my shot. And the best I came up with was a little crocheted beanie. <laughs> I, I even remember it. I remember you wearing it. <laughs> oh, I hope not many others do. <laughs> I, I, I'd never thought about that with it, with the, with the cap, but it makes perfect sense what you're saying. But, um, I mean, clearly there's a, there's a niche here. Right. Yes. <laughs> Find a need, fill a need. Isn't that the uh, <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit right there? The <laughs> inventor spirit? I, so I once had a run in with Lucas's chiropractor. I, I am a little bit skeptical about chiropractic generally because chiropractors, to me, I've been to see a chiropractor and I've had things done. I didn't feel any particular benefit from this but the chiropractor drove a really nice car <laughs> and, and those combinations of things you see the thing is if you're not doing much for me i'm okay with you driving a clapped out old banger but <laughs> if you're driving a big mercedes i should be getting some real benefit from this and this is this has always been my thing about chiropractors um i took lucas to see a chiropractor i remember when carson asked me to take lucas to the chiropractor i was like what he, she was like, yeah, he goes to a chiropractor on Wednesdays. I was like, what? What are you talking about? He's a child. <laughs> is this is this how we burn our money? We, we're too rich. So we just go to a chiropractor for the heck of it. <laughs> so we went to the chiropractor. And obviously, this was my first time, but Lucas was familiar with the, the gig. And uh, the chiropractor was familiar with Lucas. And okay. she came in. And she kind of like, when she walked in and it was me and Lucas, she sort of raised an eyebrow like, oh, oh new person sort right. of thing. And I said, oh, hey, I'm Simon. I'm Lucas's father. And she said, I'm Dr. Gray. Uh-oh. And I, I bit my tongue, but I bristled. I bristled at what she said because later i looked up her qualifications yes she has done a two year degree at an unaffiliated university <laughs> but if i have a heart attack i don't want her as the doctor <laughs> in attendance did you did you correct did you correct your first statement and say i am dr mcgrother <laughs> that was that was in my in the retelling i was like i was right on the cusp of saying well in that case <laughs> I'm Dr. McGrath, and you're not Dr. Gray. <laughs> Carson laughs at me about that one. <laughs> she thinks I'm an idiot. Well, you know, you two are a doctor, so, or I guess de debatable on whether you want to put the two in there. <laughs> uh, so I need you to uh, clarify something for me that I just remembered happened earlier today. Okay. So our friend, Zena, uh -huh. uses this term especially when we all used to be on campus together and we'd go to lunch together every day. She went, it, 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 hang on. It's not the word that gets used a lot in um, Ted Lasso, is it? I don't think so. Okay, good, good. Because that's really offensive in England. Okay, I don't think this is going to be offensive. She uses it all the time to me and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is offensive, what I'm going to say. When she would have to go to lunch by herself, she would call herself a Billy No Mates. And I always, I'd never heard that term before. I thought that was a term that she had used like her whole life. She 
uh, learned it growing up. She told me today that she got it from you, but I have never heard you say Billy No Mates. Well, I mean, you know me. I'm always surrounded by friends and admirers. It's, <laughs> it's not often it I is. get the chance. That explains it. <laughs> so when you use it, you're using it in the, the other person is going to be a Billy yes, No typ- typically Zena. <laughs> Zena, you are Billy No Mates. Yeah, yeah it, it, that is something that I do say. I believe... I believe it was lifted from a uh, British comic called Viz. Okay. They had a comic character called Billy No Mates, who his entire story was that wherever he went, he just couldn't get a friend to go with him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then I, uh, yeah, the, the story, the story tracks. Uh, uh-huh. I, when I first moved to the States, actually, I had a friend who was a Steelers fan. I, I seem to attract these people. Um, and we're everywhere. We're not very happy right now, but we are everywhere. And I got in touch with him. I'm trying to think how I got in touch with him, because this was in an era where we didn't have cell phones. How did I get in touch with this kid? The things we managed back in the dark ages, it's incredible, really. But I remember saying to him, hey, do you want to come out for a beer? I'm Billy Nomate. Do you mail him a letter? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. It felt more immediate than that, but you know, hey. Could have been a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been a phone call. I'm thinking that probably was it. And he was he was thrilled with this. He just loved it. He was like, Billy Nomates? Billy Nomates. Billy Nomates. <laughs> I do too. That's what started it. She said something about being a Billy Nomates. And I was like, I love when you use that term. <laughs> I'd never heard it before you used it. And she was like, uh, I got that from Simon. Yeah. So anyway. I, I'm often the source of these things, McKellie. Uh, yes. Yes, you are. Mirth and merriment is the things <laughs> that you're referring to. And uh, by the way, but, this might be a little late, but for those of you who wanted to actually get on with the show, you you could have at any point just skip to the next chapter of this episode. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, let's get down to business. Shall we? <laughs> how, how did we leave Arya Stark? So last time we saw Arya, she and her buddies Gendry and Hot Pie were taken prisoner, kind of, by the Brotherhood without banners. She picked up yet another new name, this time Squab. The brothers, including Lem Lemoncloak, Tom Sevenstrings and Angai the Archer, took them to the Inn of the Kneeling Man, where so recently Jamie and Brienne had visited. Arya saw the mm-hmm. boat that they'd left behind and was trying to figure a way to use it to get upstream to River Run, but her plan was scuppered by the arrival of Harwin, one of her father's bannermen and son of Hullan, the master of horse. He instantly recognised Arya for who she is and revealed it to everyone. McKelly, why don't we give the summary of this one? I didn't get goosebumps that time when you said she re- he revealed her identity to okay. everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you want me to try harder? (laughs) Well, we'll see why I didn't, I guess, here. So Arya is on the move. She and Gendry are being accompanied by a contingent of the Brotherhood Without Banners, purportedly to Riverrun. However, her outdoor skills lead her to believe that they're headed south, not northwest, and certainly not following the river. Hot Pie is not with them. His withholding of a Michelin star from the inn convinced them to give him a job. He promised Gendry and Arya that the next time they visit, the bread will be better. Arya's glad for him. He was an idiot, but she's happy he found a place in the world. Arya has to tell Harwin of his father Holland's death in King's Landing. Harwin then explains how the Brotherhood Without Banners came to be. 
They came north as Ned commissioned them, but Gregor Clegane was waiting for them. They were defeated with heavy losses at the Mummer's Ford, but a contingent got away. Indeed, Harwin believes it was a trap aimed at Ned Stark himself. Tywin Lannister expected Ned to lead the posse sent to bring Clegane to justice, but Jaime Lannister, unaware of that plan, injured Ned in the streets of King's Landing, and as a result, he stayed back, sending Beric Dondarrion in his stead. The survivors continued their mission, but increasingly came to see their role as protectors of the defenseless, particularly when word first of King Robert, and then later Ned Stark's, deaths reached them. Dondarrion himself almost succumbed in the first clash at the Mummer's Ford. He took a lance to the chest, but Thoris of Mir was able to heal him. Thus began the fables of the seemingly indestructible Lightning Lord. They harried Tywin's army, and their diminished numbers began to swell as more joined their cause. First hedge knights and disaffected soldiers from all sides, but later commoners compelled to take up arms to defend their homes. A villager providing hospitality for the night informs them that Jaime Lannister has escaped. The next morning, Arya's suspicions are confirmed. They are not going to Riverrun. Arya is informed that she is too much of an asset just to give away, so she's being taken to Dondarrion for him to decide her fate. She decides the time is right to escape and gallops off. The men weren't exactly holding her in chains, but they chase her nonetheless. She has the fastest horse, and if she can get to open ground, she should be able to stay free of them. She struggles through woods and hills, but just as she reaches fields where she can gallop, Harwin pulls alongside and grabs her reins. She's distraught. She thought that he, of all of them, would be loyal to her and Ned, but he explains that he really isn't. He's converted to Thoros' religion, our old friend Relor, and answers only to Thoros and Beric. He's determined to take her to them, but confident that they'll treat her decently. He better be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think he still feels some loyalty, but I mean, clearly his allegiance is not with the Starks anymore. Otherwise, he would absolutely let her go, you know. Yeah, there's much to discuss on that particular topic. But first, uh, first things first, this is our first third POV of A Storm of Swords. A lot of, I put a lot of firsts in there. So uh, Arya's outpacing the rest. Three to... But 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 not with much action, really. This one, I mean, the last one I thought was kind of eventful, but this one is kind of a little bit mundane. Yeah, we're taking you to River Run, but except we're not, and then we find out where they are. So not an awful lot happens. It's the the more interesting part of the chapter, really, is the sort of the evolution of the Brotherhood without banners, how they came to be, is is sort of the, the right. part that I found most interesting. On the subject of uh, point of view characters, Carson was asking me the other day about which characters are point of view. She's never read the books. She watched the show, but she never read the books. Uh-huh. And I was sort of listing them off. And uh, I, 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 I managed to forget quite a few in my first list. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they expand as the story and, goes along. And funnily so. enough, the very next chapter is going to be a new POV character. It is indeed. That's right. It was actually, the very last thing in our notes is next week is a new POV. So... <laughs> we'll remind them again when we get there. <laughs> but, like I said, I didn't get goosebumps when you mentioned her reunion with Harwin this time, because you were right. Uh, you know I don't remember what I said, McKelly. <laughs> why, do, why do you even draw it out like this? <laughs> we'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. 
Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. I said, I was, I, I was moved by the fact that she finally had a reunion with someone that she'd known her whole life after all this time of being on her own and the scary, dangerous things she'd been through. And you were like, yeah, but <laughs> she's also been outed in front of everyone by that same guy. And turns out that. But, but did that give you goosebumps? Oh, no, what gave you... Go- it wasn't me that gave you goosebumps. It was George Martin that gave you goosebumps when Harwin announced it. Right. Oh, I see. It was... Well, it was the reunion. It was her recognizing him, taking it... I mean, all the way around. Him recognizing her, taking a knee and saying, this is Arya Stark of Winterfell, the Hand's daughter. I, I think I think where that. I come in is I read that bit of the summary. That's, that's, that's all I did. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it wasn't a good thing. I mean, well, I would we can discuss it yeah. when we get to that part yeah. of the chapter, but so but there is a happy outcome for at least one of our characters, perhaps the first in the entire book. Um, Hot Pie has landed on his feet. He's he's destined to be a baker, and he's found a place that wants a baker. And honestly, given that they're all charlatans in that inn, apart from him, he's going to be you know he's going to rule the roost because. They don't own that inn. They just stole it because they found it empty, basically. So they're not actually innkeepers or cooks. So he's going to be the only one with any kind of talent for this job. So Yeah, uh, it is very rare that a character departs our story in pleasant circumstances. Not not to say that it will be permanently pleasant, yet. Yeah. Or, or, or that he's permanently departed. I mean, this is clearly a, a fulcrum point, so maybe people will be back right. here. Yes, yes, yep, that's true. Right, um, he's certainly in a better state than a lot of the characters that have left us. Yeah, and spoiler alert, he isn't the new POV character, so. (laughs) Hot pie and his adventures making bread. (laughs) Well, come on, you you can talk a lot about making bread. I've done it myself, I know. Well, yes, yes. (laughs) Or maybe it's hot pie and the adventures of Dis- determining which boy is being oh, referred that's to. Right, yes, because because they said that. So what's the what's the name of the innkeeper's wife? Shanna or something? Shar- Sharna, Sharna, I believe. Sharna. She uh, she refuses to learn their names. So there's the boy who they already had working there who pointed the crossbow at Jamie, and she calls yep. him boy. And now Hot Pie's arrived, and she's calling him boy too. So that's not very helpful. Right, <laughs> she's going to have to distinguish them in some way. Anyway, we wish Hot Pie well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I know Arya mentions she thinks of him as stupid and craven in this chapter, <laughs> and he's definitely done some not very wise things, but it's almost always because he's just a boy yeah. caught up in an adult war. He doesn't know. You know, he yielded when they got caught trying to save Gendry because that's what a kid would, a normal kid would do, you know? Obviously, Arya's cut from a different kind of cloth than your your average 10-year-old child. 
But uh and and she also has a lot more to play for in some ways. I mean, they all want to save their skins, and yielding is probably the best way for a commoner to save their skin. It isn't the best way for a uh, princess of the north to save her skin, of course. Yeah, that that makes sense. And she miss she thinks to herself that she misses him more than she thought she would, and you know. Basically, that's because he's become like family to her. She's a child who's at this point lost her whole family. So losing Hot Pie, that's that's something, someone that she has known since they left King's Landing. Yeah, they didn't. The, their relationship didn't start out very well, but uh, you know, it it obviously grew, and uh, so th- that's it's an understandable loss to her. And she thinks that Harwin might help a bit. But, you know, him being from Winterfell, you, you'd think that he would because they're both from Winterfell. Yes. They they can talk about the old times in Winterfell. They could talk about Winterfell people. But as we see by the end of the chapter, he completely lets her down when she's expecting to rely on him most. I think she got a little bit of what you were just describing, a little bit of sort of like, let's talk about yes. our old friends. but. The deep-seated loyalty, that's the bit that she was really relying on. She probably didn't even think about that. She probably thought that was just in place. Yes, right. Yeah, yes. I'll say this isn't really pedantry because this is a character decision, but I think Arya and Gendry should have spotted as soon as they deviated from the river that they were not going to River Run. Because if you're going to River Run, you're going to go by the river. I mean, A, you'd go by boat if you could. B, if you're walking, you'd keep that river close by. Otherwise, you'll get lost. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you follow the river, you won't get lost. It's it's that direction. It's called River Run for a reason. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not right next to the it's river. It's called Dodgy Path Through the Forest Near the River Run. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, the beginning of the chapter is her telling Gendry, I think we're going the wrong way. Look, the moss. Look at the moss. It's It's on the wrong side. And that really doesn't hold much water with Gendry because she was using that moss as a guide in Aria 1 and then they got to the this river and she didn't know what river it was and Gendry was like, you don't know what you're doing, there's moss, that tree over there has moss all around it and that tree over there doesn't have any moss on it so uh, he's clearly not taken by her moss theory here Yeah, I mean it's not the only thing, of course. I mean, I, I think they mentioned it was a cloudy, rainy day, so they were relying on the moss for direction. But the next day dawns bright, and you can actually—they can totally see by the sun that they're going south. You know, exactly. That's when that's when things change. Is when the sun, because it's been raining for the three days they were on the road. Finally, the sun comes out, and she can see. Oh, nope, we're definitely <laughs> right. going the wrong way. <laughs> I was right about the moss. I tell you. So, um. <laughs> Through Harwin, we hear the more detailed story of the Battle of the Mummers Ford. We'd heard it secondhand previously from Rob to Catelyn at Moat Caelin, right? But now we get a first-hand account. Um, it uh, it was pretty much a slaughter. These guys, the, Gregor Clegane was expecting them and waiting for them. It wasn't like he was taken by surprise by this large group coming from King's Landing. Yeah, you know, uh, I thought we got some... Useful new bits of information here. Do tell. According to Harwin, which, of course, this is just his belief of what's happened, he thinks that Tywin was looking to do more than just create chaos in the Riverlands when he sent Gregor Clegane in there to 
to cause trouble. He was planning to draw Ned out of King's Landing to either kill him or capture him and trade him for Tyrion, which is a bit of a, an uneven trade there, the hand of the king for Tyrion. But uh well, but the, since since Tyrion replaced him as Hand of the King, essentially, then well, that's true. It is one to one. I was thinking from Tywin's perspective, right, true. it's yeah. it's the son that he really doesn't uh, care a whole lot about versus uh, Ned Stark. But he doesn't have the, to say that in the negotiations. <laughs> no, that's true. Don't don't lead with that. I would call him if if I was trying to trade him for Ned Stark, I would call him the heir to Casterly Rock, not my least favorite son. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it made me think about the the timing being quite impeccable because he attacked the Riverlands with Gregor Clegane while Robert King Robert was distracted by a the boar hunt in the Kingswood. A boar hunt that we know he never made at home, at least in one right. piece anyway, to settle whatever matters were were created by uh, what the Lannisters did. So, you know, had he done it at a different time, either a, a few days before or if Robert hadn't been injured in the, the Kingswood, Robert could have put a stop to this whole thing and said, nope, we're sorting this all out. Release Tyrion. You, Tywin, get call your dogs back to the Westerlands. Yeah, I, it, I mean, I think Harwin is jumping to some conclusions here, but... The timing does make it seem like it was a, a larger strategy because because everything Harwin says makes right. a certain amount of sense. They, the Lannisters knew when Robert was going hunting. At that moment, they released Gregor Clegane into the Riverlands to cause mayhem. They thought, not unreasonably, that Ned Stark would saddle up and ride to the Riverlands to defeat Gregor Clegane, which he would have done had Jamie Lannister not injured him. Right. Jamie blew the whole plan by attacking Ned and his if men. If we believe Harwin. I mean, Harwin doesn't know, but I think Harwin probably is basing this on on the 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 way the trap was set. They weren't taken unawares by this force coming from King's Landing. They were lying in wait, ready to attack this force with an eye to capturing Ned Stark. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, and I don't think Jamie necessarily intended to injure Ned. Uh, I think Ned broke his leg when he fell and when the horse landed on him, it broke yeah, his yeah. leg. That was kind of an unintended consequence. Right. Had, he did intend to kill his men. I, I, I will say that I would doubt that Tywin would have informed Jamie of the plan anyway. So, I mean, even if Jamie had intentionally wounded Ned, preventing the plan, that could still be plausible because I just don't think Tywin would have told Jamie. There was no reason to tell anyone in King's Landing what you were planning. The only thing you needed right. was exact date and time that Robert was leaving on the hunt. That's what you needed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess there's no, there was no need for Cersei to cop to that when she was talking to Ned about the wine and, uh, you know, well, that would have been, that would have been like, that wasn't, that wasn't her. That was, it was Tyrion that she was talking to about the wine. But anyway, that'd be like a James Bond villain spilling the beans if, if they'd said, and I sent Gregor again to the Riverlands at that moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course, Jamie attacking Ned's men certainly left the door open for Ned to be injured. I mean, anytime you're going to attack people in the streets in an ambush style, 
someone could get injured. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I said he he didn't intend to hurt Ned, but he certainly didn't go through measures to prevent that. From and long term, it worked out anyway because Ned, of course, lost men in that uh, that skirmish with Jamie, and then sent more men away instead of himself to go get Greg, Gregor again, leaving him vulnerable right. to what ended up happening to him right. when the trap was sprung. So one thing we learn uh, about the battle of the, what, some of the details that we learn about the battle at the Mummers Ford is some of Alan's heroics. So, and it's been a while since we've had Alan around. So Alan took over as head of the Stark household guard after Jory died went Jamie ambushed Ned and his men in the streets, what we were just talking about. And then Sansa, she was looking out her window and watched Beric Dondarrion ride out with all the all the men that were uh, going with him. And Alan was riding next to him, carrying the Stark Standard. And it was actually Alan that Ned sent to recruit Angai after Angai won the archery contest at the Hands Tourney. So those two had talked before, I guess. But... One thing that's unclear is whether Alan is currently dead or alive. Right. Because Harwin mentions here that Alan rallied the men in the chaos of the battle. And um, so it's he didn't say, and then he died. Right. right. But, but when Bran, at the Harvest Feast, which was like Bran 3 or something early in Clash of Kings, when Bran is recounting those people who left Winterfell and will never return. He thinks of Alan. Right, yes, yeah. He could just be assuming that he's dead, you know? I mean, I, I don't... Re- There's been no official report of Alan dying that he would be... That we'd heard anyway, that he would be getting and, that and from. And pretty much and everyone in this group, in this what who, what is now the Brotherhood Without Banners it's unreliable what you hear about them because we've heard multiple times that Beric is dead and apparently he's not. <laughs> True. <laughs> so we couldn't believe it anyway if we had heard he was dead. Now, Harwin does mention that six Winterfell men remain of the 20 that Ned sent, right. but they're scattered about through where all the Brotherhood is. So he could be one of those six. It's not mentioned. Yeah, and so we also get the first rumor of uh, Beric Dondarrion's death. He was badly wounded in that skirmish. I mean, a lance to the chest sounds pretty the kind of thing that would kill you. Harwin says that Thoros of Mir, who is a, a priest of Relor, much like Melisande, brought him back to life. Well, I mean, healed him. It sounds faintly miraculous. Now, we know that Relor can do things. We've really seen them be quite destructive in the past. Um, yeah. The killing people type of god rather than the saving. The shadow assassin yes. thing. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe Thoros is channeling the, the, the nice side here. Yeah, right. It, it's, it's Both would be considered miracles, just on opposite ends of the uh, spectrum, kind of. <laughs> yeah, he pulled out, according to Harwin, who knows how accurate it is, uh, Thoros pulled out a foot of spear uh, out of of Beric Dondarrion's chest and then prayed and healed him. So that is quite the miracle. If you can if you can bring someone back to life as they're about to die, then making the bit you pulled out seem a bit longer than it actually was is probably trivial <laughs> in comparison. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was really a, a half-inch splinter. Exactly. <laughs> 
In fact, in fact, that's the entire trick. The entire trick is he pulls a splinter out, makes them all think it's a foot log, and therefore it's a miracle <laughs> that the guy survived. But in actual fact, the guy was barely hurt. <laughs> that's what it is. Harwin says that there, there were 120 men at the start and, and only 40 left at the end. So that's pretty horrendous losses, which definitely makes you think that Gregor Clegane was very much anticipating them. There was no, uh, right. this was not a fair fight. <clears throat> they, they came to the slaughter. Yeah, they they were caught from both sides of the river by Gregor's men. But, you know, the, the fact that Thoris has kept Beric Dondarrion alive after that type of injury, um, you know, you do hear some talk when they're sitting around the campfire with the other, um, with the villagers of the, the little, what looked like an abandoned village until um, I think it was Jack B. Lucky blew his horn or something and then they started coming out of the the woodwork but they're sitting around the campfire and you do hear some talk of the the lord of light being mentioned but nothing to the extent of what the queen's men sound like on dragonstone Uh, i mean they don't have a sept to pillage and burn the statues (laughs) well yeah sure but yeah i do take your point it definitely seems like a a friendlier version of relo that's going on here in the riverlands yeah maybe thoris is just a little bit more laid back than millicent he was the only man who could drink with robert baratheon right so (laughs) yes (laughs) it's probably hard to stay sort of like you know rigid and sort of uh when you're that drunk but it does seem that Thoris can also see the future in the flames like Melisandre does because it comes up in this chapter that um, I think it's Greenbeard that's, or maybe it's Angai. One of them says, Thoris must be told he can see, he'll find, must be told about uh, the Kingslayer being loose, that he'll be able to see Jamie in the fire, in the flames. And, and, and there you go. Now we have some real correspondence between what Thoris is doing and what Melisandre is doing. Um, otherwise, they seem like to- two totally different things, but uh, yes, they, yes, they, they, they at least can both see things in the flames. So the, the Brotherhood was had a conundrum. They were sent by a Hand of the King to deal with outlaws, and then the outlaws became the Hand of the King. And so <laughs> who, who do you deal with at this point? Uh, those who sent you are dead. Some of them I mean, the other thing was it wasn't all Ned's men. I mean, Ned's men were only 20 out of the 120 were Ned's men. So it was a disparate group to begin with. So you're going to have sort of like divided loyalties within that group when the sands shifted under their feet. Um, Yeah, yes, definitely. The the one consistent factor is though they were sent to bring the Lannisters under control. Right. And by a Stark. So you would... At least I feel like they should lean toward uh, some sort of loyalty to Rob. Well, the thing is, I think they would have that if, in my in my rose-tinted view of what's going on in the Riverlands, the Lannisters always do evil things to the small folk, and the and the good Starks and good Tullys look after them and help them rebuild their cottages. Um. But I think that's not true. <laughs> I agree. Yes, it was certainly what Arya had been hearing while she was Roose Bolton's cupbearer. She had heard him make some pretty rough calls about right, exactly. And so, and so, I think that has further loosened the bonds here. So now these guys are left in a very neutral situation of well, we're just going to protect the small folk. Yeah, but 
they one thing they say is that they're going to do it in the name of King Robert still. So they still have this sort of loyalty to the dead king, but that's it, kind of a bit strange to me that they they're, yes. they're saying that. But especially since uh, Harwin specifically says he no longer is Ned's man because Ned is dead. Right. So he's still Robert's man. Right. The Robert's dead. Right. But the guy who he grew up in his castle has a was a, had a sworn oath to Ned Stark to be a Stark household man. He's like, nah, he's dead. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's to be fair to George Martin, the situation that they're in here took some writing to get to a point of believability. And honestly, I, I can go with it. I mean, it's it's sure. tough. I mean, I, I want Harwin to be Team Arya, but I, I think there's enough here to make you go, yeah, I can kind of see it. But it was, it's difficult. It's, it is. And that when we get to the end of the chapter and the conversation they have after she, he catches her horse, I've got some thoughts on Okay, if he had said things differently. Okay, well, let's keep going. You can see why the, the men at the inn were um, willing to help the kids. I mean, that's, that's their stated aim here. And the, and the offer of IOUs for the horses seems honest. Yeah, right. It definitely gives you a new perspective on what they were trying to do at the end at the crossroads with the kids it definitely you could certainly see that they didn't have harm on their minds when they uh you know took the kids to that inn they were going to take their horses but they were going to take their horses to advance the cause of the right. collective of small people small folk but they really did want to protect keep try and keep the kids safe yeah so it, it certainly does seem that way we'll be right back this episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL, audibletrial.com slash ghostsherrenhall. You can find the link in our show notes. Yeah. And and there's a little bit of the Varys thing. Varys always says he serves the realm. And these guys are saying, you know, we're, we're the king's people and the the... So the, sorry, they're going to protect the king's people, the small folk of, of the Riverlands. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's believable. It's believable. And, and you know, they, their mission statement seems to be that the king's people were, you know, the, the lions were savaging the king's people. And we can't fight for Robert anymore, but we'll fight for those people. Right. Yeah. And that's it's an honorable yeah. uh, statement, an honorable uh, goal to live by. And so, so Harwin says that for every man lost so far, two have shown up to take his place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, surely word of the group's deeds in the Riverlands is spreading and the small folk want to get involved. But Ar and Arya did hear some discussion among small folk uh, back in, I think, Arya 6 of A Clash of Kings. It was... It was the chapter where they were marching to Harrenhal uh, with the mountains people. Uh, and two small folk were debating who's worse, the mountain or Beric Dondarrion. Right. Arya seems to have a very different experience traveling with his men, though, regarding how they're treated by the uh, other uh, villagers and small folk in the Riverlands. Yeah, I mean, you've got to imagine that the, the Lannisters were spreading negative PR against 
Beric Dondarrion, although they're not great at PR generally, the Lannisters. But um, <laughs> maybe maybe when when it turns negative, they come into their into their own. You know, at that point, <laughs> right? But, um, Smear campaigns are their specialties, <laughs> right? It does seem a little bit strange because it certainly feels like Dondarrion's men are trying to be good to the people. So uh, I can only think that it's just general sort of scuttlebutt spread around the villages that you know the Lightning Lord comes and does mean things and the Lannisters come and do mean things, but it's just not true. That Right. That's that's my guess here. And also, probably, I mean, we've been hearing tell of Beric Dondarrion being dead, then alive, then dead, then alive. So it's likely that the the small folk of the Riverlands are hearing the same tale. So maybe they're their initial reason for turning out is to see if it's true and be a part of whatever's going on here with this group. Can you can you really cheat death if you're part of this group? Now, Arya mentions that she's she herself has heard of four deaths: one by Am- Amory Lorch, one by Vargo Hote, and two by the Mountain. So wow. apparently he's still alive because they're on their way to see him. Unless it's going to be like one of those um. Uh, Wizard of Oz type things where, you know... <laughs> weekend at Bernie's. Yes, Weekend at Bernie's will prop him up. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, uh, Harwin is kind of recounting all the different types of people that have joined the, the group. And one of the things he includes is dogs. And Arya's like, dogs? And he said, yeah, one of our boys has the meanest dog you'll ever come across. And Arya thinks, I wish I had a good, mean dog. And I thought Sansa did have a mean dog that she let go in the form of the hound who uh, wanted to protect her. Yes, I, I thought you meant Lady. I was like, she didn't really let Lady no. go, but I see what you mean, yes. <laughs> Sandor Clegane was the mean dog I was referring to there. So word of Jamie's escape has reached the small folk of the region. The, that's who they hear this from. Um they don't know how he escaped, and the idea flummoxes all of them. They know that River Run's got deep dungeons. It seems implausible that Jamie could get out. We know that Jamie did almost escape with Tyrion's plan, but uh, we we also know the real reason he escaped. He didn't exactly escape. He was freed by one of his captors. Yes, that that part has not gotten out yet. But the hair on the back of Arya's neck stood up when she heard that the Kingslayer had been freed, and that's understandable. Like just. Earlier in the day, uh, Harwin was talking about how the Kingslayer killed Jory and, you know, was involved in her father being very seriously injured. So, yeah. yeah. But, but Jamie is not on her hit list that she says as she goes to sleep, right? Cersei is, but Jamie Correct. Isn't, right? And Joffrey. Cersei and Joffrey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and both Clegane brothers. Yeah. So, certainly. I mean, Beric Dondarrion is setting himself up as the sort of like the ruler of this uh, group, and therefore he administers justice. It, whenever anybody sets up their own court, it's not. It, <laughs> it has the feeling of a kangaroo court straight away. I mean, maybe right. even if you're even-handed. Yeah. Uh, so, I think it's Angai says. You know, the one of the female villagers is is upset about the idea of someone is beautiful as Jamie being hung and Angai says well he'll get a trial first Beric Dondarrion always gives them a trial 
then he'll hang him. <laughs> so, but, but you know, at, at least they get some kind of trial, which seems to be uh, rather unusual for small folk in uh, and, Westeros. And I think Ang, I think Angai's joking to a certain extent because because again, some of the people that are joining this group are deserters from the armies, and if you've been in these armies, you might have performed the kind of atrocity that this group is trying to stop you from doing. Right, but if you're repentant right. of it, I'm pretty sure they would let you join. The The tricky part for th- this group as it grows is infiltration by spies. Because if I was the Lannisters, I'd be, or, or indeed the Tully Starks, I'd be very interested in having some intel about what this group is doing. And so I would be sending people in there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So Arya has a dream... She she drifts off to sleep sitting between uh, Gendry and Harwin, which has to be probably one of the more secure moments she's had in a long time, sitting at this point between two people she thinks she completely trusts and that she feels like could defend her if need be. I mean, she probably trusted Hot Pie, but I don't think it gave her much uh, security or confidence sleeping next to him. But uh, so she drifts off to sleep, has a dream that she is stuck in the mud up to her knees outside of Winterfell, and she just can't reach the castle. But and and then the castle begins to fade to smoke more than granite, and that there's wolves stalking around her. And when she sees them, she remembers the taste of blood. It's not one of the more elaborate dreams, like a Danny dream, or right. Uh, even Ned has had some. Uh, deep elaborate dreams or brand brand of course yeah. has had plenty of dreams uh, to me i i thought it uh, some of it felt like her subconscious realizing that she's not being taken to river run that she's not on her way yeah. home I, I, and it, maybe just her journey generally it, i mean she's been she's been trying to get north to river run or winterfell for a long time now and had she yeah. been stuck in mud, she could hardly have gone much slower than she has been doing. True. And and when Jack Be Lucky uh confirms the next morning that, yep, you're not going to River Run, uh, she thinks she's reminded of the dream. So I, I think it's I'm never going to I can't get no matter what I do, I can't get home. Yeah. So Arya thinks that Pello, whose name is Greenbeard, is leader of the group, and he refers to her as a golden squirrel and has to take her to his leader all wish he had. Um, both Pello and Tom think Beric Dondari will send Arya to River Run, but they they need him to confirm it for themselves. They don't want to make that call by themselves. Yeah, that kind of a lack of autonomy would not sit well with Egret or many of the other free folk. That's a good point, yes. <laughs> they They want to be able to make their own judgment calls not have to go run it by the boss first. Yeah, and and Angoy, Angai says the thing that triggers Arya. He says, we bring Beric all of our highborn captives, and that's what she, she's like, I'm out of here. Bad choice of words. And she completely leaves Gendry in the dust, by the way. She, she does. Say, hey, come on, let's go. She's like... <laughs> I guess she figures, well, he they just think he's some guy, you know, they'll either ask him to join their group or they'll let him go about his way. <laughs> Gendry would probably blab. You know what's weird is the gold clocks are after me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have any idea why that might be? <laughs> uh, so 
Are we surprised that Halloween's loyalties have moved? I mean, to me, throughout the book, it seems that one of the most northern things is to be unswerving in your loyalties if you're from the north. But then again, uh-huh. I say that, but then Arya didn't trust anyone in Harrenhal. Well, that's true. Yeah, she couldn't decide if she could trust them enough to... Yeah, she, she there was one guy she wanted to confide in, but he died before she got a chance to, right? Was that a Glover? Medgar Serwin. Oh, Serwin, that's right, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah that, I hadn't thought about that because, yes, my thought when you said a, a northern trait is to be unswerving in your loyalty, I thought, yeah, that is yeah. that is what I think of when I think of Northmen as well. But I guess when you've been through what he's been through, that's that's another thing that could... To yes. change your outlook. And and that's something we discussed at the end of the last Arya chapter when you were saying, I'm I'm not so sure it's a good thing that she's been outed because he might not be the same person he was the last she saw him. Yeah. Now he he doesn't wish her ill, that's clear. No, he doesn't. But if they could sell her for profit, then <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Like to answer your question, are we surprised his loyalties have moved? I get his allegiance to his new brothers. And okay. He doesn't have to run back to Rob and pick up arms for his king, okay? He doesn't want to do that, although his homeland is currently being sacked by invading forces. Okay, okay. But this is Arya Stark, the youngest daughter of Ned and Kat Stark, and he's got her. After all she's been through, he has her safe in his hands. She, she's Arya Underfoot. She's the she, kid right. that he knows and cherishes. Yeah, it's, yes. it's that's a good point, McKellie. It's a good. Point. And so this is what I said. What I was talking about earlier when I said if he had worded things differently, I I would understand better. If he had said when he caught her, they went on this long. It took like three pages of this horse chase, and then he eventually catches her. And she said, I thought you were my, I thought you were my father's man. And he says, your father's dead. My allegiance is to Beric Dondarrion and my brothers now. If he had said, I can't let you run off into a war zone on your own. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm bringing you back because I'm looking after you. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, I, listen, I'm not in charge, but I will be your advocate with the other brothers. I yeah. can't just take you to River Run unilaterally. And, and, and honestly... You know, we don't have to close the book on Harwin. If Beric says, we'll get a pretty penny from uh, Tywin Lannister for you, then I think Harwin might flee with her. I think he believes Beric would do the right thing. And so... That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's not the end of the chapter yet. Or, well, it's the end of this chapter. But it's not the the end of the story here yet. But, you know, he didn't do any of those things. He didn't say any of those things that would have made me think, okay, I get it. He can't just say, I'm taking her back to River Run, regardless of what the rest of you want to do. He went on about Ned being dead and no allegiance to Rob, but instead to his brothers. And that's an excuse to roll the dice with Arya's safety. I- I'm just not sure I-, yeah. I fully can back that. He can't guarantee that Beric Dondarrion won't put her in a harmful situation. Yeah, And he could have helped get her safely returned to her family and uh you know maybe he's scared to see rob and cat again because he's deserted their cause and his oath as a stark man yeah yeah although i mean does your oath die with the lord i mean you know perhaps you have to yeah. re-up your oath to the new lord and he hasn't done true that with rob. true yeah i guess so but, but i think th- there's definitely a sense that 
when he marched off from King's Landing for this, he saw this as a fight between good and evil. And now he's seen what's going on. That line is blurred and he no longer knows which side is the good and evil. And and that would... That will erode if you've got a conscience. That's going to erode your right your loyalties. Definitely, definitely. You would think though that either uh, I don't know, maybe the Starks and Tullys just don't care enough about this rogue band of men. But you'd think there might be some sort of alliance being put together between Rob Stark, the son of the man who sent them on the mission in the first place, versus the Lannisters. You know, so and I think the other thing to think about is 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 Beric cha- changed by his near misses, and and by what Thoros of Mir has done to him. Because if, certainly, if Thoros of Mir keeps using magic to keep Beric Dondarrion alive, then Beric Dondarrion might not be the same person he was when he set off, and might yes. be now just a soldier of Relor. And we saw what happened when uh, Danny used magic to keep right. Drogo alive. That didn't go There's very well. There's always a cost. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. I'm sure there is. He is changed by whatever is going on. Even just by that one near death situation could have changed him. All right, do you have some background for us, McKelly? I do. So Harwin mentioned some of the other Highborn who originally rode with Beric Dondarrion. One such person mentioned was Sir Gladden Wild. He's a knight from House Wild, obviously. It's a Stormland house with fealty to Storm's End. Their seat is called Rain House, which is located near the tip of Cape Wrath on the southern coast of Shipbreakers Bay, pretty much due south of the island of Tarth. The castle's called Rain House because it sits at the eastern edge of the Rainwood Forest, it's believed that their sigil is a blue-green swirly, or maelstorm, I guess it's supposed to be, on a gold background. Aside from Sir Gladden, we've also heard of Sir Gawain Wild. Back in Cat 4 of A Clash of Kings, Renly told Cat of how Gawain and three other knights tried to escape the Siege of Storm's End to surrender to Mance Tyrell. However, they were caught, and Stannis planned to have them flung from the walls by a catapult. Which made me think maybe Joffrey is a Baratheon after all. <laughs> he did the same thing with the Antlermen. Thankfully, Maester Crescent intervened, suggesting that with food running low, they might be better used as a meat source, which is kind of gross, but Ew. at least it saved their lo- their lives for the short term. However, they were sent to the cells where they died shortly before Davos smuggled his onions into the castle. There was also a Lord Jasper Wilde, who was Master of Laws during the reign of King Viserys I Targaryen. I won't go into his story simply because I think he could become a character in A House of the Dragon, oh. as he did play a role in the Dance of the Dragons. Uh, and uh, it seems now I've got to watch out for spoilers for that as well. <laughs> I'm not sure I can quite commit to that. Uh, maybe I'll just give you a heads up if I'm about to spoil, spoil something from House of the Dragon. <laughs> So comparison with the original television show, um, Hot Pie stays at the Inn of the Crossroads in the TV show. It's pretty much the only inn in the Seven Kingdoms in the TV show. Oh, um, okay, okay. Arya, as I mentioned last time, Arya was outed by a different person, not Harwin. Um, that's still a spoiler, so I'm just avoiding mentioning that. 
Arya and Gendry are taken to Beric, but I don't think we see... I couldn't find their journey. I think basically it goes from her being outed, the next scene is her in front of Beric. So this journey is skipped, I believe. Okay, okay. Uh, that makes sense. So much of what Harwin tells her about what's how the Brotherhood becomes the Brotherhood is spoken by Beric in that next scene. So, bit of a spoiler, I think, because if the book follows the TV show, she's going to meet Beric, but that seems where they're headed anyway, so I didn't think it was too much of a spoiler to say that. I agree. Pedantry, you know what? I think they're getting better. I think I think they tightened up their editing, because there's been a lot less pedantry in this book. 161 chapters in, and they've finally... Uh-huh. <laughs> they've nailed the head with the pedantry. I mean, I mean, we can talk about character decisions, but you know where that gets us. That gets us one-star reviews, right? It there. does, so yeah. let's avoid that at all costs. No, you're right, you're right. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. So news and notes... Michele and I are debating whether or not we're going to talk about this, but I'm just going to talk about it a little bit. So uh, we interviewed uh, Linda and Elio, um, and it was really great. We really enjoyed it. Um, people are talking about boycotting their forthcoming collaboration with George Martin over Linda's comments about the casting of black actors. Um, look, we hope the book does well. Uh, we really like Linda and Elio. I, I will say that I think some of her comments are ill-advised, particularly in a world of social media where whatever you say is recorded and everyone can refer back to it. I think you should be more careful with what you say. And I hope that she thinks about it and, and retracts some of the things she said. So there you go, Michele. That was well done. In other news, House of the Dragon news, um, House of the Dragon co-showrunner Ryan Condal came in at number 12 on The Hollywood Reporter's annual top 50 most powerful TV showrunners list for 2022. I didn't but know this I, was a list. <laughs> can I can I interject? Before Game of Thrones, did you know the word showrunner? No, I never did. No. Game of Thrones invented that word, didn't it? Uh yeah, it's possible. I think the at least at least they brought it into modern into regular parlance because I'd never heard of it. Benioff and Weiss were the original showrunners of any show. The, 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 it's it, they created the job. The other place I heard it a lot was in the show Extras with uh, Joey from Friends. Why can't I? Uh, Matt LeBlanc. Huh. It was about two English screenwriters who come to America. You know, that. Yeah, I think you might have introduced me to the show. I believe so, yes. And I, I think they used that term showrunner a decent amount in that show. Ah, there you go. Aside from that, I had never, no, I'm with you. I had never heard of it until Benny Huff and Weiss. And now it's everywhere. Now, now there are lists of the most important showrunners. I know. I, I didn't know that this existed, but I, I came across it today. Of course, with Miguel Sapochnik exiting after season one, it will be Condal sitting alone in the showrunner's seat. However, Alan Taylor, we mentioned this in a previous episode, Alan Taylor has signed on as an executive producer and will direct several episodes in season two of House of the Dragon. And just one uh, side note, when asked about his most embarrassing pitch, Condal said it was revising Jack the Ripper as a misunderstood vampire hunter. Actually, I think that sounds uh, not too bad. <laughs> I, I think a lot, of, a lot of monsters from history are misunderstood. I've made, <laughs> I've made that point before. <laughs> That's right. Um, and just a reminder, um, if you want your shows ad-free, you can become a sustainer at the Buy Me A Coffee site and you will get your show a day early and ad-free. That's right. So let's conclude. Uh, 
Not the most eventful chapter, but we do finally have the backstory on the Brotherhood Without Banners. Uh, Harwin is a friend to Arya, no doubt, but his loyalties have switched. Um, how much have they switched? If Beric tries to sell her to the Lannisters, will his starkness come back? Yeah, that's a really good question. That will be interesting. Oh, I use the word interesting. That will be... Uh, everyone just got the centerpiece on their bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, your original point about not the most eventful chapter, it's it's the second of a pair of slowish chapters. Sansa, last Sansa chapter where she got her dress wasn't exactly... Well, she got fitted for her dress. We haven't had the thrill of the dress yet. <laughs> uh, it feels like maybe Martin is building slowly to yeah, something yeah. here, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, you were right. Her being outed by Harwin even though he is someone she's known her whole life, someone she thought she trusted and thought was looking out for her best interest, it turned out, at least in the short term here, to be a bad thing. It didn't get her what she wanted. The other thing is, he's in a band of brothers. None of the rest of them have that loyalty. Right. So once he's blurted it out, he can't really say, oh, no, she's not. She just looks a bit like her. Let me take that kid to River Run. Oh, that's that Ari kid. I know. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Uh, happy news for Hot Pie. We can all celebrate some happy news. Yes. It's it's uh, it's a very rare moment of happiness for... Well, I mean, who knows what could happen. In, they, they're still in a war zone. But at least it, it seems like he's somewhere. I kind of wish we had Gendry's POV, because I'd love to hear what he said when Arya flew off without him. <laughs> that would be interesting for sure. I hope you catch her <laughs> <laughs> let me at her <laughs> I'll bring her back <laughs> you know I I was I was thinking that maybe um, if Arya does make it to River Run she could send four uh, Hopeye to come work in the, the kitchens at River Run possibly if he'd prefer you know maybe he'd prefer the smaller setting at the end, he, you know, yeah, I mean, he might more like control over his product. <laughs> yeah. And as you, as we said, we have a new POV next week, so something to look forward to. Right? Yes, that's that's uh, good stuff. And I, I've I've started reading some of it. It's um, yeah, it's fun. As always, there's three ways that you can help us. You could leave us a positive review. There's no better way of spreading the word. You can buy some merchandise at ghostsofharrenhall.threadless.com or you can buy us a cup of Arbor Gold at buymeacoffee.com slash ghostsharrenhall. Become a sustainer at the Lord Paramount or Knight of the Realm level and you get your episode ad-free and a day early. And other cool perks. Oh, yeah. And as always, you can reach us at ghosts.harrenhall at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at Ghost Heron Hall. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.